Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Hello, hello, and good morning. It is really nice and sunny today. We are right outside Capitol Reef right now in a uh, free dispersed camp spot. And we've been lucky so far at all the places we've stayed, but I'd say this is one of the best so far. Since we left New York, I've only set up my hammock once. <laughs> and now we're all the way in Utah, and luckily enough, I was able to set up my hammock in one of these trees. And we're kind of like in the desert. I will say that I honestly didn't see any red flags. They seemed like a really fun couple. They really liked the same things. They enjoyed each other's time. Gabby and Brian set out to live out of their converted van so they could explore the country and live freely. Newly engaged and on the trip of a lifetime, the couple left their Northport, Florida home in June, expecting to be traveling together long-term. But then, unexpectedly, on September 1st, Brian drove Gabby's Ford Transit van back to Florida alone. Now, one question has become the focus of America. Where is Gabby Petito? You're listening to Speaking of Crime. Gabby's family filed a missing persons report on September 11th with Suffolk County Police. The one person who was with Gabby last and can answer this question is refusing to speak. Brian parked the van at his parents' house where he and Gabby lived together, got a lawyer, and has refused to cooperate with the investigation or speak to law enforcement. In fact, when officers showed up at Brian's home to ask questions, they were met with silence and simply handed a business card with their lawyer's contact information. Brian arrived back in Florida without Gabby. 10 days before she was even reported missing by her parents. He didn't say a word to Gabby's family. He didn't alert anyone that he was returning home without his fiancée. He just quietly came back to his comfortable home with what seems to be not a single concern for the woman he was supposed to spend the rest of his life with. Me and Brian just got up and got ready, made the bed in the tent, set up. Um, I think our plan for today is to just hang out here in the tent. Um, Brian's stretching, doing some morning yoga.
In July 2020, when Brian proposed to Gabby, he posted this on his Instagram account. My biggest fear is that one day I'll wake up and it will have all been a dream because that is what every second has felt like since the moment we found each other. Till death do us part or until I wake up, I'm so happy the answer was yes. Love you, honey. Just a short year later, in June of 2021, the couple set out on their cross-country trip through the Appalachian Trail in Georgia, Monument Rocks in Kansas, and headed to Utah to visit many national parks, including Zion, Canyonlands, and Bryce Canyon, before heading to Arches National Park, where it seems Gabby may have made her last Instagram post, or so we think. This post was the last one that was geotagged with her location. Now, there were two more photos posted afterward, but both had the geolocation tagging turned off, which is very out of character since every other post marked her location. These additional two posts have come under a lot of scrutiny. Did Gabby really post them? Did Brian post them to make it seem as though Gabby was okay? Did someone else get a hold of Gabby's phone and post them? Gabby started a YouTube channel, Nomadic Static, where video from this trip was uploaded and shows what is apparently a happy couple traveling, making breakfast, dealing with heavy rain, while sheltering in a tent and relaxing together on a West Coast beach at sunset. The fact that Brian Laundrie returned home on September 1st without Gabby belies the idyllic couple image portrayed on their social media. There would be other clues. Gabby kept in touch with her family while traveling. Her father, Joe Petito, has said that she would call him every day. Or if Gabby was somewhere where she couldn't get phone service, she would call after a few days when she returned to an area where the cell phone service was good. He said it wasn't unusual for her to go a couple of days without calling and then call when she crawled out of wherever she was. The last conversation Gabby had with family was when she FaceTimed with her mother, Nicole Schmidt, on August 25th. Gabby was near Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming, but after August 25th, the calls just stopped. The family did receive a text from Gabby's phone on August 30th, but they don't believe that it was, in fact, Gabby who wrote or sent those text messages. Her mother has publicly called the messages fake. Neither parent believes their daughter wrote or sent it. Scary and it's nerve-wracking. We don't sleep. We're just actively looking for her at least three times a week. We would FaceTime, call, text frequently. She kept me updated on this whole trip. The first couple of days, I wasn't getting responses. I believe she was in a place with no service. It took, it, it was like day eight and nine that I really became concerned. So the question remains, where is Gabby Petito? And why aren't Gabby and Brian together? There are some hints of problems in their relationship. In a recent post on social media by Gabby's friend, Abby Rose, she claims that Brian Laundrie was jealous and controlling. Abby claims that Brian stole Gabby's ID so she wouldn't be able to go to a local bar with Abby. She further alleges that Brian came off as a sweet and caring guy, but was always afraid Gabby was going to leave him. 
I'm her only friend in Florida, to my knowledge. And that's not because she can't make friends. He just doesn't want her to have friends, Abby said. Abby and Gabby were good enough friends that they tracked each other's whereabouts through an app on their phones. Ryan made Gabby uninstall that app. This level of control can be common behavior in an abusive relationship. That's not the only indicator of problems between the couple. A situation arose on August 12th during their cross-country voyage. A bystander called the police to the parking lot of the Moonflower Cooperative, a grocery store in Moab, Utah, due to a physical altercation between Gabby and Bryant. The police report indicated that a witness saw Gabrielle hitting Brian in the arm and then climbing through the driver's window as if Brian had locked her out and she was trying to find a way back in. Officer Daniel Scott Robbins located the couple's 2012 Ford Transit on the way to Arches National Park and pulled them over. His body cam video of the stop shows Gabby crying in the passenger seat, and she said that she and Brian had been fighting. Gabby was separated from Brian and asked about the fight. Yeah, I don't know. It's just some days I have really bad OCD, and okay. I just I was just cleaning and straightening up back of the van before, and I was apologizing to him and saying, "I'm sorry that I'm so mean because sometimes I have OCD and sometimes I just get really frustrated. Not like mean towards him. I just like I, mean, I guess my vibe is like I." Gabby claimed that she had really bad OCD and had been stressed out because she had been trying to set up a website for her YouTube channel and blog, and Brian had been negative about the entire endeavor. In the video, Brian tells police that Gabby was working on the website for her little show, just another small indication that maybe he wasn't supportive of her. If you pay close attention to the video, there are other oddities too. When the officer asks Brian for his phone number, he pauses and checks his phone, and then seems to read a number from his phone to officers. Why doesn't he know his own phone number by heart? Is it a new phone? Is it just nerves getting the best of him? Gabby is very emotional throughout the interaction with the police, yet Brian is laughing and joking around with the officers while also seeming quite nervous. Now that their behaviors are under the scrutiny of every internet sleuth, it's tough to know what was going on between the couple. At one point, after questioning both Brian and Gabby individually for some time, police determined that Gabby was in fact the one who was aggressive towards Brian, and not the other way around and informed them both that Gabby would be charged with a Class B offense, which could mean that she would spend a night in jail. Upon hearing that, Brian immediately asked if he could be the one to go to jail instead. Don't you have an idea about how she could not go to jail and be separated? Do you have friends in town? Somewhere she could stay? Tomorrow, if you want to, it's up to you. Can I go to jail? In the end, the officer documented this about the incident. 
I do not believe the situation escalated to the level of a domestic assault as much as that of a mental health crisis. No charges were filed. However, the officer further separated the couple by giving Gabby the keys to her van and taking Brian away to a hotel for the night to allow the couple time and space to calm down. Only Brian or Gabby can tell us what happened that night. On the very next day, August 13th, two women, Crystal and Kylan, were hanging out in a bar in Moab. They had also been camping in the same proximity as Gabby and Brian. Kylan had been telling her friends that there was a creepy man around their camp, located in the South Mesa area of LaSalle Mountains, near LaSalle Loop Road, and they had been intimidated by him. She even went as far as to say, if something happened to them, that they were murdered. A friend of the couple, Kayla Borza, was one of the last people to see the two women alive. She said, we were just having a great time, having a couple drinks, and all they said was there was a creep staying next to them. And that was it. Unfortunately, Kylan's premonition was correct. Kylan and Crystal were last seen on August 13th at Woody's Tavern in downtown Moab. They were reported missing on August 16th. Cindy Sue Hunter, a friend of the victims, set out to look for them. She stumbled onto the crime scene, finding Kylan in a creek. Her arms and legs were at an awkward angle, and I went into shock in that moment, Cindy said. Scared and shocked, and in fear that the killer might still be nearby, Cindy called police and stopped her search, even though she had yet to find Crystal. On August 18th, five days after they were last seen, the bodies of Kylan Schultz, 24, and Crystal Turner, 38, were found shot to death near their campsite. Both women were partially undressed when they were found. Investigators found gunshot wounds on the backs, sides, and chests of the victims. It's heartbreaking to know that they feared for their lives in the days leading up to their deaths. We've increased patrols on the mountain. We're doing everything we can. We both did overflies with helicopters. I want the public to know we're doing everything we can to maintain their safety. Kylan's dad, Sean Paul Schultz, who is from Montana, has been critical of the FBI, calling them out on social media with a post that says, quote, where the hell is the FBI? I, for one, have not seen one single person. I have not been questioned by the FBI. He took it upon himself to set up what he calls a clue booth to get any tips he can from the public about the murder of his daughter and daughter-in-law. He said, I am one person, a father in a park. I do not work for the FBI. Moab, I am here. Come look into these eyes. Kylan's eyes. Tell me your clue. As of September 18th, he still had the clue booth set up. So many questions remain in this case as well. Who was this creepy man? What did he do to make Kylan say she thought he would hurt them? Why hasn't he been identified or found? 
Was he also involved in Gabby's disappearance? Authorities have not yet publicly identified any suspects. Anyone with information is asked to call investigators at 435-259-8115. While the police have not specifically said that the two cases are connected, a spokesman for the Grand County Sheriff's Office stated, we're looking at everything. We're not ruling anything out at this time. Meanwhile, people in Moab have expressed fear and are speculating the two cases may be linked. And remember the Moonflower grocery store that Brian and Gabby got into an altercation in front of on August 12th? Kylan had been working at Moonflower Co-op as a cashier for the last four years. The shop took to Facebook to post a heartfelt message, which stated, The Moonflower family is heartbroken to share the news of the recent tragic passing of one of our dear employees, Kylan Schultz, as well as her wife, Crystal Beck. Kylan worked at Moonflower as a cashier and amazing hat model for the last four years and was often the first friendly face many of our owners and patrons encountered as they walked in the door. Her genuine kindness, radiant energy, and tireless work ethic touched the lives of countless people and will be deeply missed by Moonflower and the Moab community. Kylan's aunt, Bridget Calvert, did not know if Kylan was working at Moonflower at the time that Brian and Gabby were seen arguing nearby. Bridget began comparing the dates of Kylan and Crystal's disappearance with the days that Brian and Gabby were in Moab to see if it logically lines up, she said, noting that the dates of their disappearance and Brian's social media posts align perfectly. Bridget sent the timeline to the FBI, but she said she hasn't heard from authorities. Investigators searching for Gabby Petito believe her fiancé and those around him are withholding critical information related to her disappearance and are refusing to come forward. Brian has been named a person of interest in the case, and his parents have not aided the investigation, citing advice from legal counsel, which authorities say is hindering the investigation. The family of 22-year-old Gabby Petito wrote an emotional letter to Brian's parents pleading for help. The letter states, Christopher and Roberta Laundrie, we are writing this letter to ask you to help find our beautiful daughter. We understand you are going through a difficult time and your instinct to protect your son is strong. We ask you to put yourselves in our shoes. We haven't been able to sleep or eat and our lives are falling apart. We believe you know the location where Brian left Gabby. We beg you to tell us. As a parent, how could you let us go through this pain and not help us? As a parent, how could you put Gabby's younger brothers and sisters through this? Gabby lived with you for over a year. She was going to be your daughter-in-law. How can you keep her location hidden? You were both at Jim and Nicole's house. You were both so happy that Brian and Gabby got engaged and were planning to spend their lives together. Please, if you or your family has any decency left, please tell us where Gabby is located. Tell us if we are even looking in the right place. All we want is Gabby to come home. Please help us make that happen. The letter is signed by Jim Schmidt, Nicole Schmidt, Joe Petito, and Tara Petito. 
Northport Police Chief Todd Garrison said two people went on a trip and one person returned. And that person that returned isn't providing us any information. After remaining suspiciously silent for days, the Laundry family finally asked to speak to police officers. Police entered the Laundry home as the nation watched on a live news feed. Meanwhile, protesters gathered outside the Laundry home demanding that Brian reveal Gabby's whereabouts. Amidst the chaos at the family home, police were seen taking brown paper bags in and out of the house, which we can only assume were evidence bags. After hours inside, the police officers exited the house and released a statement to the public, saying that Brian's parents are now claiming they have not seen their son since Tuesday. The family said they believe that he entered the Carlton Reserve this week. The reserve is a public park that is about 13 miles north of Northport. On Saturday, the reserve's website warned that most of the park's 80 miles of hiking trails were flooded. There has also been some unusual fire caused by lightning, said Russell Johnson, a longtime volunteer with the park. All in all, this is the worst time of the year for visiting the Carlton, he said. There is also an array of wildlife that live in the reserve, including panthers, feral hogs, and alligators. Needless to say, it can't be a safe place to stay overnight alone. Josh Taylor, a spokesman for the Northport Police, told reporters that more than 50 police officers were searching for Brian on foot, on all-terrain vehicles, and with the help of dogs. He described the conditions as wet and muddy, and said the park had been closed to the public while the police searched. Police officers took Brian's clothing and other items from the laundry home in order to aid their search for Brian with police canine dogs. Josh said that when Mr. Laundry's family contacted the police on Saturday, they did not share any information about Gabby or what Brian may have told them about her whereabouts. Their focus was giving the police information they would need to help us locate their missing son. The Petito family has said that Brian isn't missing. He is hiding. Kylan, Crystal, and Gabby aren't the only ones who have had fateful trips to the Moab area this summer. Keon McLaughlin has been missing in Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming since June 8th. He was last seen hiking up from the Lupine Meadows trailhead. The 27-year-old man from Dublin has now been missing for over 100 days. And officials at the park say it's very unusual for someone to be missing for so long. More than 45 missions have been launched in the search, and over 70 people were involved in the search in the first week after his disappearance. Park rangers have used helicopters, drones, and thermal cameras in the search in hopes of locating Keon. A witness reported meeting a hiker who matched Keon's description on the Garnet Canyon Trail as he made his way toward Taggart Lake. Witnesses last saw Keon hiking along the Garnet Canyon Trail in the park at 3.45 p.m. on Tuesday, June 8th. 
The 8.2-mile round-trip trail is moderately strenuous, according to the official Grand Teton National Park website. People first became concerned about Keon's whereabouts when he didn't show up for work in Jackson, Wyoming, on June 10th. Rangers did, however, locate his car near the Lupine Meadows trailhead. His uncle, Mark McLaughlin, who is based in California, said, We love and miss Keon. It is difficult at this point in time not having closure. As a family, we know the longer this extends out, the outcome will not be positive. Keon is a friendly spirit, made friends wherever he went. He lived to be on holiday and worked enough to travel. He is a trained musician who could play any instrument set in front of him. Keon had a red Apple Watch, a red iPhone 12 mini, and he was wearing a white short sleeve t-shirt, a necklace, and wire-rimmed glasses. He is 27 years old, 6 feet tall, and 180 pounds. He has brown eyes and brown hair. Anyone with information regarding his whereabouts should contact the National Park Service Investigative Services Branch tip line at 1-888-653-0009. Another man, Robert Stiles Lowry from Houston, Texas, was last seen in the area of Teton Village and has been missing since roughly August 19th. It was Robert's first time visiting Jackson, and he may have had plans to go camping, as he'd recently gotten a sleeping bag and tent. He was last seen on video at Peast Mountain Bistro at the Jackson Hole Mountain Resort in Teton Village. It is believed he took a rideshare car to Pearl Street Bagels in Wilson the following day. The last ping on his cell phone was in Jackson on August 23rd. But after that, the phone was no longer working or trackable. Robert was wearing a black baseball cap with the letter P, a blue down vest, plaid shirt, and blue jeans. He is six feet tall, has brown hair, and blue eyes. Anyone with any information about Robert, or who may have seen him since August 20th, or had any contact with him, should contact Teton County Dispatch at 307-733-2331. Just days after Lowry was last seen, Gabby was last seen in Grand Teton as well. But unfortunately, on the evening of Sunday, September 19th, we got the news that we all feared, but did not want to believe. FBI agents say a body was recovered in Grand Teton and is consistent with the description of Gabrielle Petito. Authorities in Wyoming discovered human remains at Grand Teton National Park, where a search for Gabby was underway. While authorities said the body was consistent with a description of Gabby, the forensic identification of the body has not been made. The cause of death has not yet been determined, and Gabby's family has been notified. Authorities are asking the public to continue sharing tips if they saw Gabby, Brian, or the white van they were traveling in. Contact Suffolk County Police at 1-800-220-TIPS, the Northport Police Department at 941-429-7382, or the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI. 
only 10 o'clock in the morning, um, but it rained all afternoon yesterday. So me and Brian just got up and got ready, made the bed in the tent, set up. Um, I think our plan for today is to just hang out here in the tent. Um, Brian's stretching, doing some morning yoga. For Gia, John, and myself, thanks for joining us. Just a reminder that one of the easiest ways you can support our show is by becoming a Speaking of Crime super fan. Check out our Speaking of Crime Patreon page, and we will call out your name as a super fan supporter of the show. Please feel free to drop us an email with comments, questions. You can always reach us through our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages, or by emailing speakingofcrime at gmail.com. We would love for you to share our show with all your friends and family and anyone else that is a fan of true crime. Don't forget to leave reviews and ratings wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps new listeners find our show. All of us here at Speaking of Crime appreciate the support so much. Speaking of Crime is a production of Studio G in sunny San Diego, California. Your happily ever after is waiting for you in the Chrysler Pacifica and Pacifica plug-in hybrid. With available all-wheel drive, Pacifica helps handle adverse conditions like magic. And with a plug-in hybrid, it can help your range anxiety disappear. Make your drive even more enchanted in the Chrysler Pacifica. And watch Disney's Disenchanted, now streaming only on Disney Plus, rated PG. Disney Plus subscription required. Must be 18 plus to subscribe. EPA estimated 520 mile total range with a fully charged battery. Actual mileage may vary.